Hello and thank you for joining us for our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I appreciate you tuning us in today. That God may speak to you through his word and the Holy Spirit may minister to you through the messages that are brought forth. That you'll be blessed and we pray that you will continue to listen to our podcast and we pray that you would have a blessed day. God bless you all. All righty. Before we get started, I'd like to, to pray uh, as well. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for this precious word that you've given us, a gift from the throne room, Father, that speaks words of life to us. Lord, it is um, a representation of your son himself, Father. We ask that as we look into your word, Father, that we would have minds and hearts to receive all that you have for us today. And I pray that the, the seed of your word would, would find a good, good soil in our hearts, Lord. Lord, that you might water it by your spirit and bring forth fruit that gives witness to, to Jesus, that transforms us into the image of your son, that we might be your witnesses here, near, and far. Father God, we ask and pray these things and ask your presence with us here today in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to be in Mark 6. Did I jump far enough ahead? Pastor. No. Um, did I jump far enough ahead? Okay. You know, it's, it's kind of hard when you jump into a series like that. You know, you don't want, you don't want, you don't want to infringe on the pastor's territory because, you know, very, very possessive of those, those verses. So, but I'm going to be in uh, Mark 6. Just the first uh, six verses. And I may not even mention Romans. You never know. It could, it could happen. It could happen here today. So, um, I guess if you wanted a name for this message, you'd be like, uh, like family reunion or Jesus comes home. That kind of thing, okay? So you can go there. How many have been to a family reunion lately? Oh, really? Okay. All right, that's, that's pretty good. Family reunions are always a little, a little different. You know, this, there's always this, this strange uncle and the aunt that wants to hug you. And, and, uh, and then, you know, they tell the old stories about what you did when you were kids. And, you know, I just wonder if Jesus' family did that. You know, get together, you know, Jesus and his brothers. Ah, you remember when dad sent Judas out to get the board stretcher? That was so funny, that kind of thing, you know. I just wonder, I mean, because Jesus was... Every bit human as he was, he was God. So, and I'm pretty sure Jesus had a sense of humor. So, so we're going to start in Mark 6. So, um, Jesus goes home and how this relates to us. You know, because it's, it's, I, mean, I could stand up here and, and read the verses for you and we could go home because we've all heard these verses before. But we, we need to get something from them. God, his word always, always does a work in us. It never returns into him void. I mean, his, his word promises that to us. And these are words of life to us. So what, what can we glean from these first six verses um, as Jesus uh, travels home? So, so remember, this is coming off the heels of him uh, uh, going to the area of the Gadarenes where he... Um, uh, Freed the, the man who was uh, possessed by many demons, a legion. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ringing a little bit there. Um, and, then, uh, and then Jesus invented bacon on a large scale. <laughs> so I thought that was awesome. You know, how was it? 2,000 pigs drowned in the sea? That's a lot of bacon. That's a lot of bacon. So, 
Um, so anyway, on the heels of that, and so now he's, he's, he's returning to Nazareth, him and his disciples, okay? Verse 1, it says, it says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. Okay, so this is, yeah, this is Jesus' earthly home, right? No, he didn't go home home. He went to his earthly home, and he went, uh, he and his disciples, to his old stomping grounds, okay? You ever wonder where that, that term came from, stomping grounds? Anybody? Okay, but but basically what it came, I actually had to look it up because I'm going old stomping grounds. What what does that mean? That you know how an animal will go to a spot and then like turn around three times before it lays down. It's when he stomps on his ground. That's where it came from. His old stomping grounds. He would stomp. You know, like a dog sits on his bed and goes around 18 times and falls down from vertigo. Yeah, that's what that is. So. <laughs> So, so he went home to his own country. He's, he's, he's bringing his 12 disciples with him, and he's, he's coming to Nazareth. Okay, so verse 2, he says, now, when the Sabbath had come, so that tells me right away he's been there a little while, okay? And, it, and now the story is he's been there, he's been with his disciples, and now, now the Sabbath has come. The Sabbath has come. Um, he spent some time there, the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, the, the sacred festival, um, uh, that the Jews celebrated. And uh, if we remember in Mark uh, 2.7, Jesus reminded them that the Sabbath was made for, for man and not man for the Sabbath, okay? And Jesus is um, the Lord of the Sabbath. And it's a time of um, uh, rest. It's a time of reflection. It's a time of, of uh, relationship with God. And, and, and God knew that we needed that, you know, and I think that's, for one thing, as an aside right now, we, we need to take a Sabbath as God's people. I mean, if God instituted the Sabbath uh, so many thousand years ago, don't you think it's important for us even today? What, what, who, are, who are we to think that we do not need a Sabbath, that we don't need a day where we lay aside the things of, of, of this, at least, at least for, for a day? All our things, all our, all our plans and schemes and all the work that we have to do. And we just sit and we rest and thank God for his provision. And, and, and spend time just, you know, chilling, you know. We, I think we, our mental health would be so much better, okay. But anyway, that's an aside. That's for free. You don't have to pay for that one. So here we are. He's, okay, it's the Sabbath, and uh, as is his, his custom when Jesus is traveling, in several of the accounts, you'll see where Jesus would go into a, a city or a village, and he would go to the synagogue, and he would teach, okay? And, um, and so he went to the synagogue, and, uh, and he began to teach. Now, when it says that he went to teach, um, it's not, it's not just simply preaching. The, the way things happened in the synagogue back then, if, if a teacher came or, or a prophet came into the synagogue, there was a discourse. You know, the, the elders of the city or the town or, or the Sanhedrin or the Pharisees, there would be a discourse back and forth. There would be a back and forth. There would be a, a Q&A. So going back. And we know every time Jesus went into a synagogue and he began to preach and teach, Things either went very, very well or they went very, very sideways. You know, he, he either left them in, 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 well, usually he left them all stirred up. You know, like, like in the account in Luke where he goes in and he reads the, the, the passage from Isaiah, which is basically a messianic passage. Basic, and he, then he sits down and says, well, basically, 
now that I've read this, you see this prophecy fulfilled in your eyes. And they, and they knew what he meant was he was declaring himself the Messiah. And that bent them out of shape in the synagogue. So here we are in Nazareth, and he's going to go in, and he's going to teach in the synagogue. So, and uh, as he begins to teach, he, as his course is, this is an opportunity for the teachers of that day. They would come in, and they would, they would explain um, um, doctrine. They would uh, use it as an opportunity to instill instruction into the people. They would, uh, but it was very conversational. There would be a, there would be a back and forth with, with the hearers. And, and in, in those days, it would be just the men, okay? And the women would probably be outside, or if it was a big enough synagogue, if there was like an upper area, maybe the women and the children would be up there. But this would be, be the guys, okay? I know that wouldn't be politically correct in these days, but uh, that's, that's the way it would be. And, uh, and it would be in the synagogue. So, the thing is, when he begins to teach, there's, there's going to be one of uh, two outcomes here. There's going to be outcomes on either, on either end of the spectrum and then probably an intermixing of, the, of, the, of these outcomes. Okay, The first one, let me, let me read the verse to you and then I'll come back. He says, Now when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what? Is this wisdom that has been given to him? And that such mighty works are performed by his hands. Okay. So, a couple different outcomes. Let's deal with the first one, astonishment. Okay. He came in and he started to speak. And as he left, a lot of people who came to listen to him, they were either they were astonished or taken back or surprised, whatever you want to call it. But the word is astonished at his teaching. Okay. Now, they were, they, they were astonished at his wisdom because even the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when they came to listen to Jesus teach, as much as they were, you know, anti-Jesus teaching, whatever that would sound like, uh, they couldn't deny the wisdom at which he spoke. You know, yeah, truth is truth. And truth comes with, the, and as he's speaking, he's speaking with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Is, it is going and it's, and, it's, and it's cutting their hearts uh, in two. They can't deny a lot of times the things that he has to say, even when it's not politically correct or, or, uh, or, or nationally prudent for them. It's not part of our status quo, you know, that he's upsetting the apple cart. But they could not deny the wisdom. So Jesus comes in. And have you ever read through the parables? And when Jesus is talking, I don't care. You pick any parable you want. When Jesus takes some subject, and it is just so hard to wrap your, your, your head around. And if, if he has to, he'll resort to a parable. And he'll take a very, very difficult biblical tenet or truth. And he'll reduce it down to it strikes us right between the eyes. And, 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 and you know, and it's one, and, and, and Jesus still does that. If, if, I don't know about you, but if you've been, ever been reading the Bible and there's a passage you're just kind of ra- trying to wrap your head around and it's, and it's, and it's, it's escaping you, you know. And you, or, or it's a passage you've read 20 times before and you read through it and all of a sudden, 
man, it just, it's like somebody took the blinders off and, you, and, and the truth of it leaps from the page. And it's life-changing, you know? I mean, you've read that passage before. Trust me, it's not your brain power that figured it out, you know? There's always central truth to a text, but then there's spiritual application. And that's that spiritual application where God speaks uh, truth into his, his anointed word into your heart via his spirit, and it changes and transforms you forever. I remember my, my, my probably my first big one was, was, oh, geez, it was in Romans, okay? It was in Romans. <laughs> anyway, it was in Romans, and it was where he uh, just, uh, just a few little words. It was the just shall live by faith, you know? And how many times have I written that? It's even in other lines. It's even Old Testament. That's an Old Testament uh, scripture, actually. The just shall live by faith. But all of a sudden, that truth leapt off the page. The wisdom of the just shall live by faith. And it, just, it changed and transformed my life forever. And see, and that's what Jesus would do. He would come into the synagogue, and he would begin to, to, to speak high things because God's ways are so high and so above our ways. And his wisdom so high above our wisdom. But he is so powerful that he could take that which is so complicated that has been truth from the foundations of, of creation and, and somehow bring it down to us to a way where we can take this dynamic truth and he imparts it to our heart and it changes us. Okay, and, and they were astonished that this, this guy could come, come in. Because remember, this is Jesus. Didn't he just, doesn't he live down on 5th? Him and his, his family? Uh, remember the carpenter guy? Yeah, he, he, yeah, his dad made my cabinets. You know? Remember when we sent Judas out for the board stretcher? Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, because you have to, let's put, I mean, the thing about this story, to, to understand the story, you have to put flesh and blood on Jesus. Okay? He has gone to his hometown where people know him. Okay? He, he grew up running around was a little kid and then a teenager and then a young man. And they know who he is. And now they're astonished when he comes, walks his in, waltzes into the, to the synagogue and brings truth that is life-changing and powerful and anointed. And in other texts, it said when he spoke, he spoke with authority. And it's, it's blowing them away. Isn't this isn't that Mary's kid? You know, that kind of thing. I mean, that's what it would be. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not really trying to be funny, but it's just, it's just that's what it would be. Isn't that Mary's kid? Mary and Joseph's kid? Yeah, I remember him. Used to come over for lunch after Boy Scouts. with, with You know, that, no, that, that I was kidding. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, let's, let's put flesh and blood. What it would it be like for you and I, Okay. And they were amazed by that. Now it also said, what is this wisdom and insight that he brings us? Because oftentimes Jesus came in and he upset the apple cart. He would, he would, he would, he would challenge them where they had taken God's word and replaced it with tradition. Or they had watered down the veracity of a revelation that God had given them to them. Or they, were, or they were completely ignoring God's instruction for them. 
Or he would take the bar that's been set here and then put it up here. Like in the, in the Sermon on the Mount when he was saying, you know, you have heard it said. You know, this is, this is how Jesus usually challenges. He says, you've heard it said, okay, but this is what I say. This is what the Spirit of God, this is the heart of God. This is, you've heard it said, you, 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 you have heard it said that a man should not lust after a woman, okay? He says, but I say, if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery, okay? You've heard it said that you should not commit murder. But I say, if you've, if, if you, if you, if you've walked in anger to your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. And it goes on and on. You, know? you have heard it said, you know, that, you know, or you've seen the Pharisees, and they go and they stand on the corners and they, they want to be looked at and they pray and they make all kinds of noise and, 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 and a whole you know, performance for this when they, when they give. But I say to you that the woman who comes, you know, pounding their heart or the, or the, or the man who came in total, total humility pounding his heart, realizing his, his, his debt before God, or the young or the old woman given her last might, that their hearts were closer to God than the Pharisee in his display. And see, Jesus would come and he would impart this kind of wisdom and insight and it would go like, whoa. Remember when Jesus talked about the, uh, the, the, the account of the rich man? And he was saying, you know, and Jesus said, it's difficult for the rich, for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples went, whoa, you know, oh, if it's difficult for the rich, you know, how, what, what chance do we have? You know, and he had to redirect them. It's, it's not about your earthly possessions. It's whether your father possesses you. Whether you love God with all your heart and your soul. And, and it just, you know, he goes on and on. It's all through the accounts. You'll, you'll see where Jesus challenged the status quo. So here he is, in his hometown, walking in. And they all know him. And he starts spouting this wisdom that they can't deny. And then they also, and then, then they look at the, the insights that he's bringing there. And they just, they just, they're just totally taken aback. <clears throat> And, and, and uh, so he may, maybe he challenges the status quo about the Sabbath itself. Because uh, remember we said it's the Lord of the Sabbath and, and, it, and it is the Sabbath. And how they, the Pharisee says, oh, you know, as, as your disciples were walking through the field, they picked kernels of grain, you know. I mean, that's how picky they got. The, the, they were woke way back then, people. Trust me, okay. Uh, and Jesus says, you know, uh, and he also talked about fasting. He said, my disciples don't fast because, you know, I'm still with them. They'll, they'll become a day when they fast, but it's not now. And he just, one thing after another, Jesus messed up the establishment. But w- one thing I will say, though, uh, a lot of times when you go through this passage, it, it will, they will talk about, you know, that, that uh, Jesus, as we get to it later, did not, perform any mighty works there, you know, as if God could, Jesus could not do any works there. Well, that's not, we'll get, we'll get to that, but, but they were, but he, he must have performed some miracles, but he says, because they, they have, they have seen them, maybe during the few days before the Sabbath, and now he's coming, because it says, they were astonished by the mighty works of his hand. So he's, he's, he is, he's done something that has 
got their attention, okay? All right? Now, so that's the astonishment part, okay? That's, that's pretty, pretty easy. I think if, if Jesus came in and, 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 and preached here, we would be all astonished too, okay? But now, the second part, the offense part, okay? Because following this wonderful astonishment comes offense. So let, let me read the next verse. It's verse, uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 3 says, Is this not the carpenter? Isn't this the son of Mary? The brother of James, Joseph, and Judas that went after the board stretcher? And Simon, are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Isn't that interesting? They were offended. You know, they were offended. Can you imagine if Jesus preached in this day? Oh my goodness. People are so easily offended this day. And if nothing's happened to you that you're offended, you find somebody else that you think has been offended and you're offended for them. It's ridiculous. Oh my goodness, why did we become such wimps? I mean, honestly, we're, we're offended by everything. You know, oh man, that's something different. Let's move on. Okay, now Luke, Luke chapter 7 verse 23 says, um, um, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he. A blessing comes to those who is not offended by Jesus Christ, okay? Offensive. What was so offensive? I'm not exactly sure why they were offended other than the fact that it's just familiarity. They know who he is, right? They, 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 they know Jesus' history. They know who he is, how he grew up. Who are you to come into our synagogue and speak truth to us, which sounds kind of strange. Who are you to come in and give us the words of life? What were you thinking? You know? They knew what he did. He was a carpenter by trade in his younger days with his dad. Well, his earthly father, stepdad, however, however you want to put that. What would you call Joseph? Let's call him dad, because that's what he would have been. He would have been dad. He would have been, been Abba, right? Okay. 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 They knew who he was. They knew his family. He had family. And the thing is, that is so tragic about this whole situation is they couldn't get past that to embrace the truth. And before we get too hard on them, and we're going to get to it a little more later, but... How hard do we find it to receive truth from people we know closely, most intimately? And I'll, 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 I'll use, is, is it okay if I use an example? I mean, I'm like, she knows where I'm going. Because uh, there's sometimes when there, there's something maybe Eileen and I are, are talking about or discussing, arguing, whatever. Uh, discourse. That's what it is. Civil discourse. Yeah. And, 
and I'll, and I'll say, blah 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 Something really spiritual, but it'd be blah 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 Okay. Okay. And Eileen will scratch her head and, yeah, whatever, you know. And, and she'll dismiss me. And then, you know, some guy will come visit the church or, or a friend they know or it's on, you know, streaming somewhere, comes on and he says, blah 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 And it's like, oh, my goodness, blah 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 Such a revelation, you know. <laughs> well, she doesn't say it quite like that. But you know what I'm saying? And, and, she, could and she could receive that, you know. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why, but she could receive it from that, and, and, it, and it's not. Um, and it's not really like I've been offended or anything at all. But I think we find it easier if the person bringing the truth to us is somehow disconnected, at least a little bit. You know, I just think that's how we're wired in, in a way. But it happens all the time. You know, you're saying. You know, you'll say blah blah blah, and then your wife or your kids or your husband will just go, eh, whatever. And then that Sunday, the pastor will come up and go blah blah blah, and you and it's just like, oh, you know, angels and you know that kind of stuff, gold dust, whatever. And you know, your eyes are open and the, and the veil is torn and it's just, you know, that's how powerful you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Planted the seed. Yeah, I think the seed got thrown back in my face actually. <laughs> but anyway, so, but here, 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 here is, uh, verse 4 is very important. I think we read right over the top of this sometimes, getting get our way through the rest of the passage. But it, verse 4 is very, very, very important. He, Jesus says, he said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his relatives, and in his own house. Now, Jesus did not say, you know, oftentimes or occasionally, you know, there, there comes a time. He didn't say that. He says, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. If Jesus had difficulty preaching in his hometown among his neighbors, and in his own family, well, who do you think you are? Okay? But don't be offended by that. Don't be offended by that. Okay? But don't be discouraged by it either. That's, that's the point I want to get to later. So it's like, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and his own house. Jesus states this without a disclaimer. Whatsoever. He said, this is the truth. Bam. Maybe it's one of those, one of those uh, wisdoms and truths that Jesus gives it. Sometimes it's hard for us to digest. But this is the truth. It says, so in his own country, his hometown, so for us to be Paulson, you know, our, uh, and, and, and the word relatives there but might be better translated like extended family, kin, or, or countrymen, you know, your neighborhood, People who know you. <laughs> and then and the last one is your, your, your family, your household. You know? 
Sometimes it's just it's it's hard to to preach to people who know your household. Because I'll tell you, I, I'm sure there's some people that are going to be hindered in in listen to me bring bring truth when they know what Mike was like before he was 27. Okay, it wasn't all pretty. I can tell you that it's not getting much prettier. But I mean, it wasn't pretty. Mike had BC days. Yeah. How about you, Mike? Did you have BC days? <laughs> Yeah, me and Mike had some of those BC days together. You know, awesome. You know, well, not awesome, but, you know, not proud of those days, but I'm just saying we have it. And maybe some people can't get past that. You can't get discouraged by that. You can't get discouraged by that. Okay. Okay. So as I um, want to continue on. Now, the thing about this as we look into this story, into this account, and this, this, this dynamic I've laid out for us, is that there's ramifications to this truth, whether you're the giver or the receiver. Okay? Either way, there's ramifications, whether you're the giver or the receiver. Okay. So let's, uh, um, uh, let's begin with... Um, Maybe those who are, well, well, let's call it what it is. When, when, when Jesus came into their, into their midst and he began to minister to them and they re- rejected him because of familiarity or, or, or offense, whatever, they've, reject, they've rejected the, Jesus. They've rejected Jesus' ministry, okay? And if, you, and if you're ministering, like, when uh, Andrew talked about bringing the one, you know, if 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 someone reaches out to somebody in their life that maybe knew knew them BC before Jesus changed the transform, because I'm not the same person I was when I was 27. Thank goodness, praise God. Uh, but so, some people know what I was like before that, and. They might not be able to get past that, you know, and hear it from me, okay? But like Pastor said, sometimes maybe you're just planting a seed, okay? And we heard the truth that, you know, in some, in some cases, that that's, that's to be expected, okay? But don't be discouraged. Don't let that just go. You, 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 you plant the seed, Okay? And don't worry that God is not using you or not working through you or you're, you're, uh, you're, uh, you're the worst evangelist ever, that kind of thing. It's, it's just realize that this is the playing field. And even Jesus had to deal with it. Jesus is our example. Did it stop Jesus from ministering? No, absolutely not. He kept ministering. So... Verse, verse 5 is, is interesting because it says this, uh, Mark 6, 5. It says, now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Well, to me, that's, that's pretty mighty, I think. That's pretty awesome. I, th- I think that's pretty mighty. But God wants our, um, our participation, Right? 
He doesn't want us to be robots. He doesn't want us forces. He doesn't want to force himself upon us. He wants us to engage with him. And yes, there are times when 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 God is wanting a person or persons to engage him, to step forward and say yes to him. Okay, in, in, in any area of our life, maybe it's salvation, whether it's healing, whether it's following after, maybe it's a challenge, whatever that is. There's a time when God wants you to come up and participate, and God will hold his hand back until you step up and do that. Okay, but that's not every case. Okay, don't always put, you know, the square peg in the round hole. It doesn't always work that way. Okay, and if we think that, for, for, that, if, that um, Jesus can't work if we don't step up, Sadly mistaken. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm pretty sure God was able to create the entire universe without any of us helping. Okay. That's pretty amazing. I think anyway. Okay. But faith, you know, uh, engaged with God. We, we can do great things. Because we know that through Christ, we can do all things. Okay. And we need God in every situation. He doesn't necessarily always need us. But he allows us to participate, okay? But it says here, he, he, he could do no mighty work there. It's not, it's, not a matter, it's not a matter that he could not. It's just there was a lack of opportunity, not a lack of ability, okay? God's arm was not shortened. God hadn't just lost his, his eternal power and glory, because, you know, they looked at him sideways in the synagogue. You know? It's, it's, he could do no mighty works there because they didn't want it. You know, for, for Jesus to, to heal somebody, I mean, he, if Jesus wants to come down and heal everybody in this room with all their little ailments without us ever asking, he could surely do it. But he does like people to ask. You know, it's your opportunity to exercise faith. And faith is the currency of heaven. Okay? Faith is the currency of heaven. It gives an opportunity to set forth the move of the Spirit by a person's faith. And they engage and you agree with God that not only is he willing, but he's able to do whatever it is you've asked. Okay? And he engages. Okay? But for whatever reason, and apparently because it was so offensive that the young the young man that stood before them who used to be running through their, their, their streets as, as a teenager had grown up to be this powerful teacher who could do mighty works, who had the wisdom of God that was undeniable. And they had seen him perform miracles. They, they just didn't want it. They just didn't want it. They couldn't humble themselves to, walk, to, to say, except for a few, uh, apparently. For a few, got past all that and sought out the Lord for, for healing. And, and he, as is his habit, was to heal them. But he couldn't do a mighty work there because they just weren't ready. They didn't want it. Who is he to come in here and do that? Now, remember, people, what I'm talking about as it as pertains to you. For us, we need to, to, for one, to be warned, let not the work of God go unsought for here. Okay? Let us not discount 
the work of Jesus and the people he would send to us or the people around us out of familiarity or history or whatever, okay? And don't think that his, his, his arm is shortened in any sense of the word. So, so how does this speak to us as those being ministered to? Is it, do, do you and I reject Jesus when we inadvertently reject those who he has sent to minister to us? Okay. Do we, do we reject and hinder a willing Savior from moving, moving among us? Okay. So here's people that God might use. You, you tell me if any of these people fit, 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 fit the bill. How about a family member? Okay. Have any of us ever had a family member that just because we, we know what they look like in their pajamas, we wouldn't let them pray for us? You know? Some sort of familiarity that we are, or we're, we are too proud to allow a family member to speak into our lives? Family member can't speak into your lives because they cannot be as smart as the guy with the, the sequin shirt, you know, and the piano. <laughs> you know, whatever. You know, there's, there's lots. I'm not, and I don't put down the ministries. I'm just saying, are we as just as willing to accept ministry of Jesus through some, someone more familiar as we do someone distant? That's all I'm saying. Does Jesus always have to use the spectacular? I don't think so. Or, yeah, he could speak to a non-Christian. I mean, my goodness, God spoke to Balaam through a donkey. Now, if, if, if at least everyone here has donkey anointing on them. You can do it, okay? Right? How about a neighbor? How about a neighbor? Okay. Or you see the neighbor coming with the Bible and you lock the door and turn off the lights. <laughs> I don't feel like being ministered to by the neighbor today. Okay. <laughs> I get too close to home. <laughs> yeah, whatever. How about, how about a saved friend? Maybe a saved friend who has history. Okay. That's tough. That, 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 now it says we're getting to the, you know, the meat of the matter. Because there's some people, I'm, I'm sure, that would meet me with like, oh, sure, you're religious now? That kind of thing? You know, as a way, you know, to like, to like put me down, you know. I'd have to tell them, I hope I'm not religious. That would suck. You know, I'm a Christian, if that's what you mean. Religion never helped anybody. Could we, could, could, we, could we receive ministry from a saved friend, even if that friend had history and we knew about that history? Could we do it? Could, could, could you receive ministry from a former addict? Okay. Could you do that? You think Jesus can use an addict? <laughs> he used a donkey. Right? Right? 
I'll tell you, there's no stronger evangelist in the world than somebody who's been absolutely delivered from something. I'll tell you what, delivered from depression, delivered from fear or anxiety or, or any number of habits and vices that are out there. I tell you, that, that, that person can speak and preach with conviction because they've been down that road. We, if, we, if we are struggling with something, we need to go to somebody who is struggling, who has struggled through that, and God delivered them. Because God doesn't, you know, just deliver us. They say, okay, you're delivered. Okay, we're just going to put you on the shelf for the rest of your life. But isn't that, wasn't that a nice little tinkle you got there? No, God uses that. If, some, if God uses you and, and has healed you and, and, or, or if you've gone through something with God, because I, I, I know, again, I'll use Eileen. When Eileen went through um, her, her, her cancer scare with her thyroid cancer, that was, that was kind of a rough time, kind of a bad time, you know. And as a Christian, you know, it's really easy, you know, to say, you know, why, why me, you know. Why, why did it happen to me? You know, I don't understand. You know, and why didn't you just heal me right away and I not have to go through surgery and do all this kind of stuff? And, and, and you go through that and you go through the process and you come out the other side. And then, and then all these women started showing up that were diagnosed with thyroid cancer or any cancer, so to speak. And she was able to minister to them. So God was able to take it was a tragedy in her life, and use it to minister to others. So some, some people have history, maybe in this, we call it maybe less, you know, spectacular than others. God will use that to minister to people in that same situation. Can God, could, could Jesus use a former tax collector? Sure did. And that would have been the old, and you know, if you read through the accounts, when, when people, you know, looked at Jesus because he chose a tax collector to be one of the 12, that was something. Okay. Now, here, now here's, how about, how about a former enemy? Could you let a former em, enemy minister to you, speak into your life, talk to you about Jesus? I don't know about that. What do you think? The family of Stephen, the martyred um, um, uh, Christian. What do you think his family thought when all of a sudden Saul, who held the coats so they wouldn't get bloody while they stoned their family member Stephen, and Saul, who would later be known more by his, his, uh, uh, by Paul, went around imprisoning, probably leading to the death of Christians and brothers. Do you think it was hard for some of those Christians? In fact, you know it was because you read the accounts. Isn't this the one who at once persecuted us? And do you think it was hard for them to receive ministry from Paul just because he had found himself? Because that's what we would say. We wouldn't say, you know, Jesus did a mighty work. He said, oh, Paul found himself. You know, apparently now he's all religious. That's how some would react. You know it. That's how we're wired. A prophet is not without honor. Okay? That is our challenge, people. Because I'm telling you, you look at the landscape and, 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 and the spectrum of Christians, even in this place right here. 
And I'm telling you, I don't know how many people here, but we all have a different history, okay? And we've all been there. And we all have people that would have a hard time receiving ministry from us. We should not be discouraged. But again, the, the other message is do not allow ministry of Christ to go wanting in your life because you will not receive it from somebody that you deem maybe hurt you or you, didn't, or you don't trust because of the history or you don't respect because of their history. It's tough. This is not, this is not an easy exhortation to take. But it's tough. But if we want to be a close-knit family of God, you know, we got to take each other with all our warts. Okay? With all our warts. Did you have something you wanted to share? Oh, okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. The God way, ways are above our ways. Now, let's put the shoe on the foot. How does this affect us as, as we minister? Okay, to finish. How does this speak to us as those ministering? What if you're the rejected in instrument? What if it's you that gets rejected? Okay, how do you take that? Remember what Jesus said. Prophet is without honor. In his hometown, among the neighborhood, in the family. <laughs> you know, prophet's without honor. That shouldn't dissuade you. It shouldn't really discourage you. In fact, now after hearing this word, you should say, kind of almost expect it. And you can say, and when it happens, you can say, ah, yeah, I, I see that. And you know how to pray about it, too, okay? You know how to pray about it. If, if, if somebody has, has been uh, somehow offended by you, I mean, truly offended. I mean, if you've offended somebody in, with, in your history and they're having a hard time, now you know how to pray. You know, now you know how to pray to get an open door. Okay, but don't be discouraged because there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a song we sing, Waymaker, where it says, you know, even when we don't see it, he's moving. Even when we don't see it, he's working. Okay? God's word will never return unto him void. They may not want to hear it from you, but once they've heard it, it's God's word and it's a seed that will go down into their soul. Maybe you will not be the one that gets to, to, to water it. But maybe you're the one casting seed. All right? Because you're mighty in his power. It's him working through you. And we can do all things, right? Through Christ. And when we do these things, it's a lot easier to avoid discouragement if you realize you're doing all things unto the Lord. Okay? It's not about you. It's not about your recognition. It's not about being able to put a notch on my belt. Well, that's the third conversion I've had this week. You know, It's not that, okay? You don't get that. <laughs> Jesus did the heavy lifting. You need to be a little humble, okay? But we can do all things through him, and we do all things unto him, all right? I know this is kind of hard to understand, but verse 6 in finishing up, he says, and he marveled. Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. It was like, I mean, in this world, the word marveled really doesn't really, doesn't really convey it in the English. It's better. It's like Jesus had next level amazement. 
at their unbelief. Because they saw the wisdom, I mean, they heard the wisdom, they, res- they, 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 they heard the teaching, they even saw the work of the mighty hand of God in healing. And they were able to still reject the message. Okay? Jesus was amazed. He marveled at their ability to reject. So Jesus and the 12 boys went home to Jerusalem. Is that what it says? No. Jesus had been rejected by his own. He had gone home and not gotten the, you know, the ticker tape parade at all. The triumphant son returning home. He was rejected. He poured out his heart and was rejected. So what did he do? He said, he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. He kept doing what he knew that he was there to do, and that was to do the work of the Father, to bring the words of life to a dying nation. If, if, if there's one other thing that we could add to this is, how do we expect the world to act? We ex- should expect them to act like the world, because by definition, that's what they are. Okay? But we need to plant the seed, and we, somebody needs to water the seed, and it may take years, but somebody eventually will get to harvest that seed. But never give up. So Jesus never gave up. He went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So we can find ourselves in, in conclusion. We can find ourselves in either scenario. Okay. We can be the receiver. And we should humble ourselves and listen for the truth of God. Whether we're, and actually, whether we're the giver or the receiver, doesn't matter. Whatever that situation is, we need to find Jesus in it. Okay? You need to set aside who's bringing the message to you and find Jesus in the message. Okay? Then you need to follow Jesus in it. You need to listen to Jesus in it. It's not always, you know, it's, I mean, we need to put flesh and blood on the stories of the, of the Bible. Yes, it's the anointed word of God, absolutely. But these people, men and women and children, were people just like you and I. We would react just like they did. You know, let's not throw stones at the Nazarenes. You know, that, that would not be prudent. But we can learn from it. So whatever the situation, whether you're, whether you're the receiver and you're having a hard time receiving the word, or, or, or you have a hard time, it's really, it's not the word that you're having a hard time receiving. You're having a hard time receiving the messenger. So whoever the messenger is, okay, you know, the Bereans were great because they were, they were um, encouraged by the Lord because they, they checked things out. You know, somebody came and brought a scripture to them or teach them. They would hold it up against the, the uh, uh, scripture and see if they spoke truth. You know, it's all right for you to do that. Okay. But one step further is don't, don't reject the messenger outright. Don't, don't reject the message. Go look for Jesus in it. Listen to Jesus in it, and then follow Jesus in that. Okay? 
And then finally, you know, it's, it's easy to get discouraged as you're ministering. It's really easy to get discouraged because a lot of times you, you feel like uh, it's, it's falling on deaf ears or that your, your life and walk with Christ isn't making the, the uh, impact that you like or you want or at least that you, you, can't, you can't see. Anyway, and it's, and it's really easy, okay? Let's, let's be honest. We, all, we, all, we would like to have an impact for Jesus in our life. And it's easy to get discouraged if you, if you don't see things happening. But be faithful with what God gives you. Okay? The talent that he's given you, don't bury it out of discouragement. Okay? Take such as he gives you. And remember, you're not responsible for the fruit. You're only responsible for the planting of the seed. You're not even responsible for the seed. He gives you the seed. All you got to do is plant it. Okay? All you got to do is plant it. He'll water it. And when the time is right, he'll harvest it. Be faithful. Don't plant your talent. Plant the seed. Be faithful with the talent. And in due time, in due time, you will see a harvest. In due time, All we need to hear is at the end of the day, when that time has come, is well done. Right? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we should be about. And if it takes that long before you ever have affirmation about your ministry, I'm sorry, but I'm sure that'll more than make up for it. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you use us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you to speak to us. Father, give us teachable hearts and minds and spirits. Help us, Lord, to be discerning. Help us, Lord, not to discount out of hand. Lord, help us not to miss the blessing because we, re we reject the messenger. And then, Lord, help us not to be discouraged as we, too, endeavor to minister in the name and in the power and the anointing of your Son, led of your Spirit in all things. Lord, we thank you that you, you're here with us today. We thank you that you love us and you care for us. We thank you again for the, the communion table that we have celebrated here today. We thank you for your body broken to pay the price of our sin, your blood shed that we might have life and remission of sins. Lord, we want to give you all the glory and all the honor and the praise for all that has happened here today. And as we go our separate ways uh, this morning, Lord, let us not depart from your presence. May we in our conversations see you and each other. And may, again, all the glory and the honor and the praise be to you forever in Jesus' name. Amen.